0: Hear the word of the Lord from Mark 9:42 through 50. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to fall away, it would be better for him if a heavy milestone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to fall away, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and go to hell, the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to fall away, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to fall away, gouge it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. Where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt should lose its flavor, how can you season it? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with one another. This is the word of the Lord.
1: All right. Fun thing about, turn me on a little bit, I'm echoing. The fun thing about preaching through books of the Bible, as you're going straight through, is you get to preach about fun stuff like what we just heard. Isn't that great? So get your, I bet y'all are like, yes, I can't wait to hear that sermon. Um, but Jesus, uh, Jesus just doesn't have uh, nice things that, that uh, give us butterflies in our stomach to say. He has uh, harsh things to say as well. He has harsh things to say as well. Um, I don't know about you, but I often do not see the effects of what I say and do until it's too late. You ever got yourself in a situation where you're like, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that that man bad call well bad call you know what I'm saying and and you're kind of like I wish somebody would have told me I wish I would have thought more clearly before I got to that situation so I wouldn't have said or done that thing and wouldn't it be such a gracious thing for someone to maybe they see you headed down that road go hey man listen listen you don't want to say that I know you want to say that but you really don't want to say that that's gonna mess you up This is what Jesus is doing. Jesus is gracious to warn us. It would be a gracious thing to warn somebody from saying or doing something that they will regret. If if you know that person cares about you, you know that they wouldn't be doing that to pick on you, but they will be trying to save you from consequences that both you and they would, would regret. So a warning from Jesus, even if it's stern and hard to hear, is an evidence of his grace to us. Because he doesn't want us to end up in a situation where we're like, man, I wish I hadn't have done or said that. And I think what, what, what he's trying to teach us in this text is this, is that, that we ought to take sin and holiness seriously because it impacts others and eternity is at stake. We have to take sin and holiness seriously because it impacts others. And eternity is at stake. So let's, let's pray. Father, please help us to understand your word. Even when it's hard to hear or might, or might uh, 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 cut, Lord, you, you don't cut us to, to, to be hurtful. Lord, you, you cut us like a surgeon, Lord, to, to get to the places that are unhealthy in us and to remove them. So let us receive your word in that way today. That even if it is hard to hear, that you say it out of love and care. So, Lord, please speak to us by the Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So you get to verse 42. I think Jesus is teaching us that that we should not cause others to stumble in their faith. Look at verse 42. It says, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to fall away, it would be better for him if a heavy millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. That's a heavy word right there, y'all. It'd be better if he went to certain death. Listen, we always got to go to context. Context is what? King. Context is king. So, so who are the little ones that he's talking about? If you go, go back to verse 37, he says, whoever welcomes one little child such as this in my name welcomes me. So to be very clear, Jesus is talking about protecting children. Jesus is talking about caring for the faith and the well-being of children. And you need to understand that Jesus puts a supreme value on children. He expects us to protect them from harm. Meaning this, that, that the, the children in our life, that we have to, we have to guard them emotionally And physically, a lot of times I I, I think about my kids, I'm like, I want to give them time to be kids. Life gets real, y'all. Y'all know it gets real. Like, like, if they ain't in the realness of life yet, let me give them some time to just be kids. He expects us to protect them from harm. And, and so many of, of the, the conversations that our staff has and that me and Gordon have is about protecting the kids from safe, safely in the kids' ministry because we value them because Jesus values them. Some things Jesus says are a metaphor. I don't think he's giving a metaphor here. I think he's speaking very plainly that we ought to care for children and not only that he expects us to set a godly example so that we would not cause them to, to stumble i listen many young people leave the faith not necessarily because they have an intellectual issue many young people leave the faith because they observe hypocrisy The observation of you're saying this, but you're living one way, therefore it must not be true. I have talked to people, friends of mine that used to walk with the Lord with me, and when I hear their stories of what happened, it didn't start with there was this intellectual dilemma. Something happened. Somebody that they trusted betrayed their trust, and this is a person that said, I'm going to do this in the name of the Lord, and that person made shipwreck of their faith. This is not something small. This is not something that, 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 that doesn't matter. This is intense, that, that, that our actions truly can have an effect on someone's eternity. We have to take that with the weight. And this teaching helps us to understand that, that Jesus, I'm going to put, put your thing cap on for a minute. Jesus understands how sin and power intersect. Let me explain this. Sin is bad in of itself, right? If we believe the Bible, sin, sin bad, okay? However, it disproportionately affects those who have less power, influence, or agency. Yeah? It influences those, like, like so we, we have to acknowledge that we all have a certain degree of power in various situations. Sometimes it's positional power. If you're somebody's boss, you have power over them. And what you say weighs more on their mind than someone who's not their boss, yeah? So if you have power or influence over somebody, the sin that you commit is exponentially worse because of that power or position that you have. Some of us have, have relational power. Some of y'all just good at words and people like you. That means that you have some power, and you better steward that thing well. Anything that would cause you to have influence over another, that's power. And you need to understand that the weight of your sin is greater when you have power over somebody. Because our sin disproportionately affects those we have power or influence over so again if i see two men arguing in the street let, let's assume that they're around the same age of the same size right and they're speaking harshly with one another that's an issue it shouldn't happen but if i see a man speaking harshly to a child he's doing the same thing but the, the fact that he's doing it to someone who is smaller than him makes it worse you see what I'm saying? Say, uh, our sin, all sin is bad. But if we sin over those that we have power over, it is exponentially worse. The same wrongdoing carries more weight if it's done to the vulnerable. That, that, that's why... That's, oh, never mind. I, mean, I, I was about to go down a rabbit trail. I don't want to go. <laughs> that's why we instinctively dislike bullies, Right? When you see somebody bullying somebody, my thought is, well, pick on somebody y'all on the side. (laughs) If you're going to be hard, you know what I'm saying? That's why we dislike bullets, because we understand the inherent unfairness to that. Power is used sinfully in two different ways. When people either abdicate or abuse their power they can abdicate or abuse. So let's, 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 the, the foundation of authority in the scriptures is the, the, the parent-child relationship. So it's, it's, it's good to go back there to get our understanding of what authority should look like, right? There is, is, is obviously a power dynamic between a parent and their child. And, and, and children are harmed in two ways. When parents abdicate, they, where he at? He ain't here. If they abdicate their responsibilities, if they back away, if they're not there physically and emotionally, children are hurt. But on the flip side, if someone abuses that power with harshness, they, if they, they abuse that, that also is bad. And you, we instinctively know that the effects of that are long-lasting. You know, this, this idea of, of power and sin and that intersection right there, this has major implications for church leadership. There is a power and authority dynamic there, right? When someone calls you pastor, you have authority. And you, you can use that well or you can abuse it. Yeah? Yeah. See, church leaders could abdicate their power when they don't teach the truth of God's word. When they don't tell when when they when they're, they're afraid of what you might say or think when you hear something harsh from God's word and they back away from it. They abdicate their authority, but guess what? That's real damage to you. If you don't actually hear what God's word has to say. But just as much church leaders abuse their power when they sin against their people. There's something I had to, I had to understand. So I, when I'm interpersonally talking, I like to joke around. It, you know, I like to have a little fun. But I realize that I have to be careful when I'm joking around because some of y'all call me pastor. And if I'm joking around with you and I end up saying something that offends you, that is, that is way worse because of the power dynamic there. Listen, listen, we, church leaders abuse their power when they sin against their people. Their negative words carry more weight. That means, that, that's one of the reasons that one of the qualifications to be an elder is that you are gentle. Why? Because your words carry more weight and you need to learn how to wield that with grace. And church leaders abuse their power when they live double lives. When they preach one way yet live a way that's antithetical. It tarnishes the purity of the gospel. Why would I believe something that you are teaching if you don't live it out? I think that's why uh the Bible says that uh you don't need to be quick to, if you want to be a leader. You don't need to be quick to seize that because it comes with real weight and real responsibility. And then we go to the the harshness of that punishment, the harshness of the sinful abuse of power. What did Jesus say? It would be better if a stone was hung around his neck and he was thrown into the sea. that's, That's a certain fearful death. That's divine judgment. But I want you to understand, God is not being arbitrary. The reason the judgment is harsh is because he cares for the vulnerable. Yeah? He's not just doing stuff to do No, because he cares about folks and, and who can't take care of themselves, that punishment is weightier and harsher. And the reality is our sin affects more than just our lives. It has exponential effects, particularly if you have power and influence. And the reality is all of y'all got some power and influence depending on the sphere. It means you have to watch your life closely because what you do affects others. We get down to, to 43 through 48. We, we hear that, that we have to cut off sin. We have to cut off sin. Look at verse 43. It says, and if your hand causes you to fall away, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and go to hell, the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to fall away, cut it off. It is better for you, better to to enter life lame than to have two feet be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to fall away, gouge it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. Where where there, worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. This is harsh, ain't it? You know, things that repeatedly cause us to sin are usually things that are valuable to us, right? Or else we wouldn't do it, right? What happens with, with sin is that we, have, we, we think a sin is so close to us that it actually becomes a part of us, and we can't even imagine living life with, without it. That, it. that it is so dear to us that it becomes like our very self. That's the only reason why you would repeatedly sin, not because you made a mistake, but because you love it because you care about it and Jesus is saying listen you got to cut that thing off even that thing that feels like your hand or your foot you got to cut it off you you have to separate yourself you have to distance yourself from that sin even though it feels so close and so intimate to who you are you can't imagine your life without it you better cut it off remember interpret the the intensity of this passage with the previous one why is sin a big deal? Because it hurts others. It's not just about you. Your sin hurts others. Listen, listen to this. Listen. Sin always hurts others. Even if you don't think, you think it's like this private secret thing, y'all, it hurts others. It hurts others. It really does. Something, something that might be private that, you have, that nobody else knows about, that, that has an overflow. It affects how you act and it affects how you treat other people. Matter of fact, if we live in sin, it normalizes it for other people. It influences them. Is it not easier to be dumb when everybody else is dumb, right? Well, that's why crowds are dumb, right? People do stuff in crowds that they wouldn't do otherwise. The fact of the matter is if I live in sin, I am normalizing it for everybody around me. And what's that make me? That makes me a negative influence on their eternal salvation. jesus is not being arbitrary or just losing his temper he is saying what you do and what you say whether you think nobody knows it or not has an effect on those around you and so cut it off you have influence and then there there are sometimes when your sin it just is a direct effect a lot of sin is sinning against others yeah is it not (laughs) We go through the, do not murder, do not commit adultery. We go that, that's other people. <laughs> Jesus is intense about sin because he understands how it hurts others and how it particularly hurts the vulnerable. And then pay attention to Jesus' threefold warning. You want to know something interesting? Jesus talks about hell more than anybody else in the whole Bible. You ain't, you ain't going to read the Gospels without talking about hell. Kind of throws you off of your perception of Jesus, doesn't it? <laughs> he talks about that punishment more than any other. And he wants to make sure you understand that, that warning. And he, he uses these metaphors. And I think sometimes the reason that we use metaphors is because we don't have the capability of understanding the reality. It's like this, because I don't know how to explain it in such a way that you would understand. But he says, says hell is a place where the worm does not die. And y'all are like, what, what is this about worms? What is going on with worms? Here's this. I mean, it's just kind of weird, but y'all, y'all didn't seen Roadkill before? What happens to it? It's like, worms and stuff get into it. And eventually, it's nasty, isn't it? It's nasty. But at some point, it stops, right? At some point, enough damage has been done and the bugs move on. Jesus says, that's not what hell's like. It's a death that does not die. He says, where the the fire is not quenched. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had a bonfire before. and Listen, it's hard to keep that thing on, right? (laughs) You keep putting more and more wood. He says, that's not the issue with hell. It's a judgment that does not end. I don't I don't know how I don't know the logistics and the specifics, but the metaphor enough is is enough for me to go. I don't want to go. there. I don't want to be hip in that. And the question that we all have to decide is we all have to decide if we will love sin now and experience hell later or hate our sin to experience God now and forever. That's the choice that Jesus is giving you, not because he's harsh Or because he's petty, but because he's gracious and wants you to understand what are your options. (laughs) Then it gets a little more confusing in the text, but what he's saying is we ought to live for God right now. Look at verse 49. It says, For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt should lose its flavor, how can you season it? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with one another. That's salty, ain't it? What is he talking about? What does all this salt talk about? Listen this salt reference is related to sacrifice. In Leviticus 2:13 he says, "You are to season each of your grain offerings with salt. You must not omit from your grain offering the salt of the covenant." With your God, you are to present salt with each of your offerings. What he's saying is this, is that when you sacrifice, that little sprinkle of salt is to remember that your sacrifice is going to God. And I think what Jesus is getting at is that everything we do is a sacrifice, is an act of worship. And we have to determine whether that sacrifice or act of worship is going to be to us and our pleasure or to the living God. We must choose to whom we are sacrificing to. If we sacrifice to ourselves and to our, our, our pleasure, that, that God might feel good, but that God don't save. That God does not save. But beloved, if we live to and if we sacrifice our, our lives, if we, we live in obedience to the God who created heaven and earth, that's the one who delivers. That's the one who saves. You see, Jesus is expecting his, his followers to have a distinct holiness. He says, have salt in yourself. What is, what is he talking about? He, he references this in other gospels, but the point is this. The point is this, is that if I follow Jesus, you should realize it. Just like if I eat food and ain't got no salt, I don't like it, right? I'll put some salt in the thing, okay? The, the reality is this. If you eat food with salt in it, you know it's there. It's clear, oh, the other season is well. If you eat food that's bland, you're like, mmm, that ain't that ain't too good. The reality is this: Jesus says, listen, your life should be so distinct that when others look at it, they go, mmm, I think there's some Jesus up in there. That tastes like Jesus. That's good. Because otherwise, what you doing? If your life is not salty, it's nasty don't nobody want to eat that jesus Jesus don't like that our lives should demonstrate our commitment to jesus our lives should demonstrate our love for others our lives should look like the greatest commandment which is what love god with all of your heart soul mind and strength and your neighbor as yourselves that's the distinctiveness that's the jesus salt if you will and he's saying listen listen that is how I want you to live. That's how I want you to taste. Because if salt loses its flavor, how can you season it? And otherwise, What are we going to do with that? But he says, have salt. Have that distinctiveness in yourselves that you would love God and that you would love others. I know if, if you are taking this passage seriously, you should feel the weight of it. You should feel the weight of it. This, the, nobody, nobody's dodging this. Nobody's do, dodging this bullet. Y'all ain't nobody doing no Neo in the Matrix, okay? We ain't dodging this one. This is aimed at us. And beloved, if you only looked at somebody else in this sermon, you did it wrong. The language of cutting off and of gouging, that's, that's severe, is it not? But this language of cutting off, it, it pulls in the concept of, of this Old Testament punishment called exile. In the Old Testament, when someone was sinful and they were just habitually sinning, God would say, cut them off. Cut them off. Cut them off from the people. Let them go away from my protection, away from my covenant, What I want you to understand is this. Christ experienced the pain of punishing exile on the cross for us. Listen to Isaiah 53:8, and I want you to listen for that language, cut off. He was taken away because of oppression and judgment. Who considered his faith? For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was struck because of my people's rebellion. Why was Jesus cut off? Because you and I refuse to cut off sin. Jesus' whole self was cut off. That's why he was on the cross. Not because he did anything wrong. There was no guile. There was no lying. There was no deceit in him at all. No aspect of his body or his soul was subject to sin. Yet he was cut off because we refused to cut off our sin. That's the love that Christ has for you. He never harmed the, the vulnerable. He, he never did any things that he is discussing in this text. And if he deserved anything at the end of life, it was only celebration and praise. But beloved, he was cut off from the land of the living with the wrath of God poured on him because of you and I and our love for sin. And in his death and in his resurrection, there is forgiveness for all of us who have loved sin over Christ. All of us who have caused others to stumble. All of us who cradled our sin instead of throwing it away. Beloved, you don't have to be cut off. You don't have to be cut off from God's presence. You don't have to be cut off from him eternally. Because Jesus Christ, his son, was cut off in your place. So you come to him you come to him if you feel the weight of sin you come to him if you're like how could he forgive no you come to him because he experienced the weight of all your wrongdoing and he looks at you with love and affection that is the god that we serve y'all so come to him Come to him. Maybe you don't know him. And maybe right now you can say, Lord, I want to be with you. I, I don't want to be cut off. I don't want to, I don't want to wanna live my life in such a way that shows I love sin over you. Lord, help me. Save me right now, beloved. He will do it. We'll have a time of prayer later in the service. If you if you're like, I don't know what that looks like. I want to, I want to know what it means to, to come to Christ. Come, come. Because the option is is you can be cut off or you can accept that Christ was cut off for you. That's your option. Now let's, let's get to it. All right. So Christ is very, uh, very serious about sin. So how then can we practically fight it? Because nobody needs to cut off their hand today. Okay. (laughs) If you cut off your hand, you didn't hear it from me. Okay. Listen up. How do we practically fight sin? This is what it says in Ephesians four. It says, it says, this is not how you came to know christ assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in jesus to take off to cut off to take off your former way of life the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self the one created according to god's likeness and righteousness and in purity of the truth there's two things there there's some stuff that we got to put off yeah, there's some stuff we got to put on. All right, say, put off. Put on. Put on. Put on. All right, some stuff we got. So he said, put off your sin. But how do you do that? How do you do that? It means that, that you pay attention and notice the patterns of your sin. Let's just keep it real. When you find yourself in a situation where you feel convicted, you can kind of go, well, what, how, how did I get here? <laughs> let, me, let me backtrack that. Let me look at my footsteps. What was I doing? Especially if it's something that you keep doing over and over again. You're like, well, there's, there's a pattern here. When I'm here, when I'm doing this, when I'm saying that, when I'm listening to this, that seems to be what causes me. That's the hand you cut off. Not your physical hand, but that pattern that leads you into sin. That's going to require you to, 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 okay, wait, wait, let me pause. Let Let me consider my life. When I'm tripping, what's going on? Who am I with? What am I doing? And maybe I shouldn't be there. Yeah? Cut that thing off. Cut off anything which would cause you to be tempted. Some of y'all need to delete some apps. Some of y'all need to put some blockers on your, on your phone and on your, on your internet. Cut that thing off. Stop playing with it. We don't only think, put things off, we put something on. How do, how do we put on Christ? We put on Christ through the scriptures and biblical teaching. When we hear God's word consistently, that is Christ clothing us with himself. I want to be up in God's word because I want to put on Christ. We would embrace a lifestyle of spiritual formation. That's just a fancy way of me telling you to do four things. Get in the word, pray, be with God's people and serve. If you would put that in your life, that is how you put on Christ. Let me give you a word of wisdom here, though it's better to have a spiritual plan that is small and doable over a plan that has high hopes but not attainable. Okay, a, a lot of people feel real shame because they're they, 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 they trying to go from zero to 60. If you, don't, if you ain't never consistently read your Bible, you probably not going to read four chapters every day. Calm down. <laughs> Just be real with yourself. That's not what you're going to do. Look, let me just keep it real. Can I keep it hundred with y'all? I like to keep it hundreds, y'all. There is a very popular Bible plan that has four chapters a day, and you know who can't do it? My behind. I can't do it, <laughs> so I got one that has two. Okay, just <laughs> just keep it real. All right, listen, listen. I, I like to tell people if you don't read your Bible at all, if you would just put the Bible app on your phone and make it notify you, and they give you one verse a day. I, I like to brag on my wife because she's my wife and I love her. But one of the things that she that we got little kids, there's a lot of there's not a lot of time you can sit down and be quiet, right? And so she, what she does is she has uh, the Bible app and, and the, the, the thing pops up on her notification. And what she does, she says, I just don't swipe it away. So every time I look at my phone, I see that Bible verse. I see that verse of the day. It's something small and doable. I don't know what that looks like for you, but, 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 but figure it out. Maybe it's instead of two chapters, maybe you just need to commit to one verse. And if you think that's doable, then do it. I was talking to another brother in the church, and we were talking about how important it was to to, to pray. And, and one of the things I suggested to him, I said, why don't you just pray the Lord's prayer? I mean, it's the one he gave us. You know what I'm saying? And he told me, well, every morning I wake up before I do anything else, I just slowly pray the Lord's prayer. You know, that's less than a minute. All I'm saying is this, figure out something doable. It's better to have something small and doable than something that has high hopes was unattainable. Because all that's going to do is heap up shame on you. You're gonna get in that cycle. and You're gonna get, get frustrated with spiritual disciplines. Okay. So y'all, put off sin, put on Christ. Take sin and holiness seriously, because it impacts others, and eternity is at stake. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you for your word, and even though your your word at times is is hard and it cuts but lord you do that so that you would heal us so lord i pray that you would bring just spiritual healing to us this morning for those who feel the weight of sin lord god i pray that they would hear the the goodness the glad tidings of the gospel of the forgiveness that is found in christ and lord maybe there are some who are not taking sin seriously enough but they feel the weight of your commands Lord, you are so caring and so loving that you can minister to us each, and in each individually. So that I ask that you would do that today. Speak to your people and help them to follow you with all of their heart. In Jesus' name, amen.